Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, as always. we got a great show today. We're going to look at both the conference finals. First off, we're going to have Dan Harrison, the Tampa Bay Lightning Insider, on to look at the Lightning Caps. And after that, Jamie Thomas, host of Jets TV, is going to join us to look at the Golden Knights Jets series, which kicks off in about four or five hours. So we're looking forward to that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, thank you once again for joining the Vegas Hockey Podcast. You can f- always find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Russ Cohen Sportsology page over at SoundCloud, GrandstandSportsNet.com, TheHockeyWriters.com, uh, anywhere podcasts can be found, you'll find us. So hit a link, subscribe to us, we appreciate it. Uh, we've seen our listenership, I was just looking at it, go up uh, 255% over last year so thank you all the new listeners and thanks for everybody who stuck around over the last three years to take us into the western conference finals um it's been a fun ride and it's still going so we're looking forward to the rest of the rest of the playoffs here chris good day to you sir how are things out on long island uh things are good although i am not doing as well as a die hard vegas golden knight u2 fan uh that person today is uh nirvana i guess U2 fan. Well, they're playing at the at the T-Mobile Arena tonight. Oh, okay. So he's got the best of both worlds then, huh? Yes. 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 So, good, uh, good, but, good uh, thing yeah, they didn't I have mean, home ice, huh? <laughs> yeah. That would have well, been interesting. Uh, uh, well, you know, uh, it's what everyone expected back in September, right? For the Western Conference sure. Finals, Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Winnipeg Jets. Shame on T-Mobile for booking an act like that when they could have been hosting a game one of a playoff series tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're booked for two nights, too. I think they're booked for tomorrow night, too. Well, you would think so. You two pretty well sells out anywhere, anytime yeah. they play, and rightfully so. Um, yeah. Well, hey, let's look back at the, uh, the the series that just ended that led to these conference finals. Um Start over in the East with the Capitals slaying the Dragon, is as as it were. We kind of, I remember you were talking in the playoff preview show about somewhat expecting Pittsburgh to hit a wall at some point here in these playoffs, and it looks like they ran up against a wall named the Washington Capitals. Um, surprised with how that series went, or kind of as expected. I was in the Show Me Don't Tell Me camp with the Capitals, as most people were. Um, losing, obviously, with the President's Trophy in the past two years to these Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, what 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 do you think how that series went? I guess it's surprising from this standpoint. If you looked on paper, the roster of the Capitals this year, which is still obviously a very good roster, but compared it to even just the last two years' roster of the Capitals, it's by far their weakest team. And this is the one that, that finally... Uh, gets past the Penguins. I mean, here's the thing about Pittsburgh that I would say, as amazing as they've been these last three years, uh, obviously including the two prior, you know, there were a lot of really close games that could have went either way 
uh, on their way to the cup. And, you know, that we talk about it all the time, that the margin in this league is so small and the margin in this right. league between winning and losing is so small. And you know what? This year, though, it, they, it just came up on the wrong side for them uh, in terms of getting through that series. And instead of winning in a long series, they lost in a long series. And uh, that's why when you have your opportunities, uh, you know, people always say, well, the window's wide open. They still have time. And, and I guess you can say this about Nashville, too. But, um, you know, Pittsburgh obviously has done very well. Um, yeah, you got to take it. You got to take advantage of it because a lot of things uh, can happen. But I, I don't recall watching them, especially in the playoffs or the second half of the year, and felt like, wow, this is a tired hockey team. This is going to be their undoing. I just right. think Washington was a little bit better at, at, at the key times. Let me ask you this because I think it's going to play an important role in the in the Knights Jet series. The absence of Ryan Reeves with the Pittsburgh Penguins allowing Tom Wilson to run around and and pretty much do whatever he wanted. How much of an impact do you think that had in the series? Tom Wilson was yeah, a difference I mean, maker in in a lot of ways. Keep in mind, though, Wilson did not play in games four, five, and six because of the suspension. Correct. Um, so, but the tone so, was set. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. I'm um, not a fan huh. of his 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 game. I mean, he, the thing is, he's actually a pretty pretty good hockey player. He doesn't have to. I mean, I've been well aware of his antics being in the Metro Division. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, one could say that they needed. Uh, Pittsburgh not having uh, a Ryan Reeves uh, type. Although, keep in mind, the last, they just acquired Ryan Reeves last June on, on draft night. So, uh, they didn't really have that guy the two years prior. And Capitals in the second round, both of those years, granted, they were long series. But, um, yeah, I mean, he definitely has has played well when, in these playoffs when he hasn't, uh, you know, uh, been up to, uh, you know, dirty hits. Say the least. I, I will say this, right. uh, not to go on sidetrack, but he does another another uh, 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 behavioral thing on the ice as he did in Pittsburgh. It'll be a much lengthier. It'll be you know, it'll be for a more than three games. He's there'll be enough yeah. is enough. It might. It, it depends on the on the play. Obviously, it, it might be the rest of the playoffs. Right. For however for right. however long that lasts, obviously. And then right. go. Let's go over to the West a little bit. I think I think we saw Ryan Reeves play in Game Six against San Jose uh, to shake off a little bit of rust. He hadn't played in the playoffs to that point in anticipation of him maybe getting more ice time here in Winnipeg to somewhat neutralize. Um, Bufflin and a couple other guys that are more than capable of throwing their body around and wreaking havoc. I look for Ryan Reeves to dress into the lineup and I don't, I don't know this for sure. Um, but I think if you're ever going to use Ryan Reeves and you acquired him at the trade deadline, this was the series that you acquired him for. If you're the Vegas golden Knights, um, jets coming off their victory over the, you know, the president's trophy curse is, is alive and well, um, vanquishing. Biggest and I thought, fran- yeah, biggest, biggest win in, in franchise in, history. 
2.0 franchise history for sure. Um, even, after game six. I would even say 1.0. Um, it cert- certainly ranks up there. Um, going on the road in a game seven after losing the shot to, to clinch at home in game six um, shows a lot of moxie out of this young Jets club, huh? Yeah, um, pretty incredible. And, and, and again, real quick, talking about, I mean, I felt Vegas, it was a close series against San Jose, but I just felt they were a little bit better than San Jose. In, in six, oh, wow. mind you, in, in six. In six, good call. <laughs> uh, I'd have been seven. But, uh, Could have been but five. Having said, having, having said that, you know, game six, that first period, you know, the Sharks had a lot of good opportunities, came oh so close, including in the waning seconds of, you know, an unbelievable Brent Burns shot that only the crossbar can stop. Uh, and again, we go back to the difference between winning and losing. Um, you know, they they could easily have been up two nothing in that first period, well on their way to at least forcing a game seven, and then who knows? But uh, yeah, Winnipeg showed me a lot. Uh, I felt going into the series, we talked about this uh, about the series that I said the Jets are dangerous because I. They have so much talent, and they have absolutely no pressure. But then I preface that by saying they have no pressure until they get to a point, if they get to a point where you say to yourself, oh, my God, they could win the series, which happened in game six, and they wound up losing 4 nothing at home. But to, right. to you know, to, to rally from that point and then to, to really beat up Nashville 5-1 at home in that building, which, you know, last mm. year was impossible to win in, um, I think that says an awful lot about this young Jets team. I agree. I wanted to go back to, you said um, that first period against San Jose there in game six. Um, The same thing can be said about game four against the Kings. Um, They came out in the first period raring and roaring, and the Knights were able to withstand that onslaught and go on and eliminate the Kings. And again, they were able to withstand the Sharks' uh, first period push and go on and eliminate the Sharks. And I think, you know, those two games also say a lot about the the Golden Knights and their ability to find a way through it and, you know, recover and stick to their game plan and find ways to win as well. I think the Winnipeg Knights series is going to be a fantastic series. I, uh, it, it, it's going to be a very lengthy series, to say the least. And they will be a lot of fun. Both teams can really skate. Both teams are very deep. Uh, I, I, you know, both goalies are playing well. I mean, Flurry's playing beyond well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, uh, an incredible series, to say the least. And I mean, it's hard to believe that uh, either Winnipeg or the Vegas Golden Knights is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, if you would have said that, I mean, as high as I was on Winnipeg at the beginning of the year, I never in my wildest imagination expected that. And then you can tenfold that in terms of in terms of Vegas being in the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I'll go back and give you a little credit on the Jets, sir. We did our, our Central Division preview at the start of the season, and you were very high on the Jets. I think you had them winning the division and very competitive in the playoffs. 
Um, and I think the only caveat you had was uh, Connor Hellbuck and net whether he was going to be able to go the distance. So that's a good call from you. I was the, you know, they went to the playoffs a couple of years ago and, and were out in four, I believe against the ducks. Um, yep. I was, I was on the show me, don't tell me there with Winnipeg as well. Um, they had all the pieces, you know, as you said, on paper, they, they looked like um, a contender for sure. Um, but you, but you had them early on and, and kudos to you. So I wanted to ask, ask you this too, before, before Dan joins the show here in a couple minutes um, in the Western conference. So do you think right now we're seeing a changing of the guard for, I mean, as far as, you know, either the Kings or the Blackhawks before the the Penguins winning the cup every year for whatever it was, five years. Um, and now we're seeing the Nashvilles and the Winnipegs and the Knights. I expect Calgary to come around at some point. Um, Colorado even making the playoffs and giving Nashville a lot more trouble than anyone thought they would. Um, do you think this young talent, we've been looking at the draft uh, pretty pretty closely the last three years doing the show. And we have our draft preview special coming up here in a couple in uh, about a month, I think, right after the cup finals. And you think these young kids that have been coming up, I mean, these these last few drafts have been just amazing with talent. They're all over the league. Um, Do do you think that uh, the old guard, if you will, um, is is kind of going to have to retool to keep up with these teams? Yeah, I I would say the Chicago's, the Minnesota's, the San Jose's and the Anaheim's, you know, the for sure. And I'm not saying that the bottom's going to drop out and they're going to be one of the, the top 10 worst teams, although that was the case for the Blackhawks this year. Uh, but, you know, keep in mind, a lot of those players have gotten a little bit older. Uh, they, you know, not in all cases, but, you know, they, some of the cases, they, they, um, uh, they, they have not replenished in terms of uh, prospects coming up. Um, in the case of uh, Anaheim and Minnesota, for sure, uh, they both lost a lot in the expansion draft. Um, so throw that in, especially Minnesota. So throw that into the mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think I think there is a little bit of a changing of the guard uh, in, in terms of that. Um, you know, Winnipeg being now a force, obviously – uh, you know, the year the Vegas has had. Uh, it was ironic, you know, it's kind of ironic, you know, Nashville had a nice regular season, just kind of got in the playoffs, and then went on an incredible run, and this year they were a monster in the regular season. And they just really never, they kind of were, you know, you didn't see their enough of their optimal game. But, you know, Colorado, you mentioned, is coming, and they got some more talent coming as well, and they got some high some good draft picks coming as well in the next couple of years. Out of the Matt Duchesne deal. Yeah, not this year, but that'll the pay, number one. That'll pay year. dividends down the road for sure. Yeah, and, you know, you got to figure, not to digress, but you got to figure that, you know, Ottawa on paper could have a rough year next year, and uh, they're not oh. going to give up their first-round pick this year because it's the fourth overall, but that means Colorado will get Ottawa's first-round pick in 2019 no matter where it is, if it's first overall or whatever. So, I think that's a good point. I do think that the West is changing. But, you know, having said that, um, you know, keep in mind uh, that, again, not to beat a dead horse, but in terms of the the difference between winning and losing, 
you know, the Edmonton Oilers looked like they were a team last year that were oh so close uh, to getting to the point that we are are at now. And in fact, so much so, uh, and I love the hockey news, but uh, not to pick on them, but you know, they had the Edmonton Oilers going to the Stanley Cup Finals this year, and they Whoopsie. were in the bottom ten of the league. Yeah. Whoopsie. So, uh, so you know, it, 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 things can. Things can definitely change very uh, quickly sometimes. You know, hopefully for their case, it's just one step. It's it's a season of one step back, go forward. But, um, yeah, no, there's definitely those other teams. uh, uh, They got some work to do, to say the least. And the Sharks are getting a bit older, uh, too. I would be, you know, I'm not saying the window's closed. But, you know, even Brent Burns, as great as he is, not that you've seen in his play, but I think he's going to be 33 Pavelski, I believe, is 33. Um, I, I think Joe Thornton's the end is near in terms of old man winner and tear. Yeah, I mean, God bless. He's had an incredible career. Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Famer. First Hall of bound. Fame. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, hey, I'm uh, seeing Dan on the line. Let's. Uh, okay. Here let's, we go. Uh, let's get back to that. Let's jump over to the East with Dan Harrigan, the Tampa Bay Lightning Insider. Thank you, Dan, for joining us today and giving up a few minutes of your Saturday to talk a little Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, yesterday, I'm kind of gonna th- I'm gonna chalk it up to kind of what happened with San Jose in Game One of the Golden Knights series, where um, they had the layoff, a uh, little bit of rust, a little bit of little bit of staleness maybe, and Washington coming fresh off of. Uh, a, a really important win for the franchise as a whole. Um, I'm willing. To, I'm willing to chalk that one up, and we'll go back and remember that they lost Game One of the Boston series, and then didn't allow an even strength goal for the last three games of that series. Um, what am I wrong in, in, in thinking that way, or, or is there more to look at here from Game One? Well, I I'll tell you no. I think you're 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 making some good points there. But Washington clinched their series the day after the Lightning. So for all intents and purposes, their layoff was just about the same. But I think okay. that that people should realize that for whatever reason, in since John Cooper has been the coach, first game of a series and for most of those series they've had at home ice they are four and seven historically under cooper in game one of a series now is it is it lack of preparation is it is it the layoff time between series i you know i i think i think there's more to it than just the layoff but hopefully for lightning fans if if the boston series was any indication you know they can get their feet un- uh, under them and and put forth a much better uh, effort in game two. And and I did mean to give Coach Cooper all the credit in the world for uh, rallying the boys after the game one loss to Boston and I believe losing two out of three down the stretch to Boston. Um, people outside that locker room probably most people had an edge going to Boston just for that reason. And uh, Coach Cooper. Uh, deserves all the credit in the world for for getting the boys back and going on and I believe winning four straight in the, at the end of that series right. and really um, just just uh, you know the licking issue notwithstanding uh, 
uh, Light, Lightning pretty much uh, dominated the rest of that series. So as we as we look forward now into game two, um, it becomes a must-win game. What does the Lightning need to do better? And I'm, I'm going to say put pucks on the net um, first and foremost. Um, but outside of that, what do they need to do to slow down this Capitals attack? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, uh, the the glaring weakness, if the Lightning were to have one, is the penalty kill. They the, all season they were in the bottom five of the league in 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 killing killing off the penalty. Uh, they they had a good start in the New Jersey series, and they were uh, at about 83 percent effectiveness. But Boston, which has a very good power play, uh, like you said, the last three games, Boston did not score an even-strength goal. They were getting all their goals on the power play, although they also got one shorthanded. They were getting them on the special teams. So I think that the, for the Lightning to, to change the, the direction from last night's game, it, it, it starts with the penalty kill. But uh, – to your point about it being an elimination game in the Boston series, after dropping game one, there were a lot of the leadership in the lightning locker room and specifically Chris Kunitz and Ryan Callahan talking about game two as a must win because you can't, you cannot go on the road down Oh two. So I, I would say it, it is probably as close to a must win this early in a series as you can get. So I, PK and they have to stick to their to their offense. They were they were they seemed uh, out of sync yesterday yes last night in in working the puck in the capital zone. They they could not keep it there for any kind of length of time. They did get a couple goals in 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 the third period, one off the power play, but the game was not as close as the four two score indicates. Hey Dan, Chris here. Just got a couple for you. Um, so, you know, we, you talked, we talked about the power play and the P, uh, Tampa's PK being a huge key in the Boston series. And, you know, another thing was that Tampa really did a good job of staying out of the box in that series. Uh, in, in pre, in, in, you know, during lunch yesterday and kind of doing the research for the series, I felt like for, I feel like for Washington to win this series, they have to hurt Tampa on the power play, uh, in order to win this series. And we kind of saw that last night. I mean, uh, you know, if if Tampa can corral that power play, correct, uh, I think it's going to be hard for Washington to win this series. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I think first and foremost, they have to. There has to be an all-around concerted effort to stay out of the box, it, because look, it, you cannot give a a team like Washington with such an effective power play four shots four opportunities at, 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 with the man advantage. If you do, you, you, there's a good chance that, that you're, it's going to cost you the game. You know, they have to limit that. If, you know, one or two a game, they, that's where they have to focus because uh, clearly Washington, I mean, that, that, that first power play goal at the end of the first period by Ovechkin, mm. that was a rocket. And that, Imagine the difference for both teams going into the locker room with the Lightning down only one nothing. 
that that was a that was that was the game clincher right there. You just saw it by the way they walked off into the locker room between the first and second periods. And the, the other one I have for you, Dan, is you know we talked about uh, in our opening segment. I brought up the point of you know if you look at the Capitals this year on paper, it, it, it it's not you know you would you would easily take the rosters of the, uh, at least the previous two years. My question to you is. Do you think that the Capitals are deep enough uh, to beat the Lightning? Because, you know, the Lightning are loaded uh, uh, in terms of their third and fourth lines uh, offensively, their, uh, even their, you know, their depth on uh, defense. Do you think mm-hmm. that's a vulnerability for, for Washington? That just going to be hard for them to win this series from a depth standpoint when you look at uh, their third and fourth lines? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, having Wilson come back, obviously, that, that boosts the first line. And and if and when um, Backstrom were, were to come back, I, I, I think you're right. On paper, you look at the two, and you, we saw Tampa roll out effectively four lines against, against Boston in the previous series. And that's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough team to, to match up against when they're rolling out that effectively, the four lines. But, but you know, you look at their fourth-line center uh, at Washington, Jay Beagle, he won 9 of 11 faceoffs last night. That kind of play from a fourth-line center is it could make the change, you know, can certainly change the, 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 the focus of the series. It, it's, it makes it that much more difficult for a puck possession team like the Lightning when you're, when you're dropping, you know, Nine of eleven faceoffs against the fourth line center, but Jay Beagle is is a great faceoff man. In fact, sometimes the Barry Trotz uses him on the power play because because he's that effective in, in in the circle. I that you know maybe they Washington doesn't roll out four lines as effectively, but don't un, I th- I think it would be a mistake on the Lightning's part if they were to underestimate Trotz's uh, of use of guys like Lars Eller. Again, especially if Backstrom comes back and some of those third and fourth, you know, uh, Smith Pelly, some of those third and fourth line guys that can that can keep up seemingly with the Lightning. Yeah, for sure. And going back to that Ovechkin goal too. There's uh, right right before, obviously the Kuch- I believe it was Kucherov who went down and scored. That was disallowed by the too many men on the ice, and then right. to have that momentum, you know what is it, eight seconds from going into the locker room at that point, tying the game and, yeah, and going so yeah, something something crazy. And then within that that six second time frame where Ovechkin comes down and goes up two nothing when you had just tied the game one one, that is a backbreaker. No question about it. And as you said, we could definitely see the the body language heading off the ice there um was not good. Um so Going forward, I think this is going to be a long series. I think Coach Cooper is going to make his adjustments, like you said, four and seven in game ones during his tenure. And I look, I do look for Tampa Bay to um, even the series and head to Washington. Um, as, as far as as going on the road, we've seen them go to Boston and, and take care of business. Are, are there any unique challenges? Um, that Washington brings his home brings at home matchup wise that the Lightning are going to have to look out for. 
Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Boston because historically for the, the life of the franchise here in Tampa, the Lightning have struggled in Boston. Um, right. It, it hasn't been quite as bad in Washington, but it, it's definitely the ice has tilted the Capitals' favor. But this is a this is a different uh, team for the Lightning, especially on the road. They were tied with Nashville throughout the regular season as the, with the most road wins in the National Hockey League. So they know how to win on the road. They showed it in, in a, especially in a house of horrors that Boston has been uh, for years for this franchise. They went in and and took the two in uh, in Boston um, in the last series. I, again, I think tomorrow the game two is going to be critical. You know, as far as as losing game one, they had won four straight. It's tough this time of season to win five games in a row. So I'm not overly concerned. I will be, I would be overly concerned for the lightning if they drop tomorrow, but I think we're going to see a much different team. I think we're going to see uh, the team that we saw, let's say the last two or three games in the, in the Boston series. Now, going, going back to the penalty killer, I wanted to get your opinion on what it is that, that they struggled because when you look at, at the roster that they have with, with, Girardi and McDonough and and Callahan and and Headman and Strawman and guys that you can run out there uh, that totally sell out to to block shots and and get in your face and you would think that the penalty kill with with that kind of of roster would be a strength of this team. Is it an effort? And and I know that's I'm I'm not trying to be rude to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but what what do you see as the problem with the penalty killer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. They they were uh, through. This this is just my take on it. October, November, and December, they were a top ten penalty kill. What happened at the very beginning of January was that one of their best penalty killers, Andre Palat, went down with an injury that kept him out until almost the end of March. Uh, in that time, in that subsequent time Ryan Callahan like you said one of the one of the best uh PK uh players for for them also went down in the league right yeah yeah in the league I would I would agree with that then you added Ryan McDonough at the trade deadline who Cooper immediately put on the on the PK and 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 he's worth Worth that's that's certainly a worthwhile move for them to put a guy like a defensive defenseman like McDonough on the PK. When these players all finally came together, there were six or seven games left in the regular season. Through the first two rounds, that was ten games. We this unit, this PK unit now has not has not played twenty games together. I think that's the problem more than anything else. It certainly isn't. I, I don't think it's the effort because like you said, you know, if you think back to, to game five of the Bo- of the Boston series, they were down, Boston was down one and they get, they had a penalty uh, or power play at, at about 10 minutes left in the game. That was a huge, huge. And it was McDonough who committed the penalty. So you're losing, you know, from the lightning's perspective, they were losing one of their best, uh, uh, players on the PK and they killed that penalty that that to me is 
is it just shows the effort that that this unit seems to be putting forth. I think they're still new. I, I see them sometimes out of place a little bit, in, in in especially when they're when their goal scores. Now look, you can we can talk about the Ovechkin goal. I I don't know how many PK units would have stopped that in the league, but I'm going to venture a guess and say most of them would not have. That thing was a rocket, and it was a no. That was a laser beam for sure. That was a laser beam. So so I you know those kind of goals are going to go in, and it goes back to my point. You can't you cannot afford to go into the box. You have to play a, a a a confident, but you know. Stay within within the, the means to to not draw those penalties because if if you do it's, it's it's it could spell doom for the Lightning. Well, all right, Dan. Our next guest is on the line. He's Jamie Thomas, host of Jets TV. We're going to have to let you go, sir. Good luck to the Lightning the rest of the way, and we appreciate your time. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dan. All right, now we want to welcome in Jamie Thomas at Jamie Thomas TV on Twitter, host of Jets TV. Jamie, thank you again for coming back to the show and giving us a few minutes. We know you're you're real busy today getting ready for the game tonight. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. I uh, appreciate it. Is that kind of how you guys do it? you got a lineup of guests coming up. That's really neat how that one guy comes on one guy comes, comes on afterwards. That's yeah, cool. that, uh, we went a little bit <laughs> long with him. We don't want to take too much of your time. But, yeah, I'm trying to produce the uh, thing on the laptop and, and host the thing at the same time. Yeah. So we're getting it. We're getting it. It's a lot of fun. It works. It works. Yeah, it works. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to I wanted to go back to a, to what I think is the pivotal moment of the Nashville series, and and I wanted I want to talk about Game Three real quick. And mm-hmm. they get home, they got the split on the road, I believe, and then really Correct. a bad first period for Connor Hellbuck. Um, mm-hmm. How how important is it for Connor that Coach Maurice? stuck with him in that game and that the boys rallied around him and came back and put a seven spot up in two periods and, and got that win. And I believe it was, they got that win for Connor as, as kind of a, Hey kid, we got you. It's your first trip in the playoffs. Um, Cause really mm-hmm. for me, that was my only question about the jets going into the playoffs. Um, we know they're talent up front. We know they're big. We know they're fast. Um, but uh, a goalie making his first, real trip and in, in deep into the playoffs. How important was it for coach Maurice just to, to calm him down and leave him in the game and let him build that confidence? I think that was huge, but I, I, I mean, uh, there was some rumblings in the press box. Of course, when you, anytime you're trailing three, nothing and two of the goals you could look as, um, as one like the goaltender probably would like to have back. But I think <laughs> if that, if you're, if you're going after the second period, you, you make that move. Right. So, but uh, I, I like how they stuck with them. But that's basically what the Jets have done all year. And you can go even a little further back into the first round of the playoffs where Hellebuck allows six goals in the first two periods in game three of the series against Minnesota. Uh, Paul Maurice pulls them, and then they come back to him again in game four, and he has back-to-back shutouts against the Wild. That's the type of stuff we've seen from Connor Hellebuck all year. He is, he is so mentally strong that those moments don't bother him from period to period, from game to game. And I agree with you. It wasn't that I thought it was a weakness. It was just a question mark in my mind what, right. how he would react to the pressure of, of the playoffs. And he has done that. And then some more, right? He, he was, you know, they got they lose 4 nothing on home ice in game six. And then he's right back and he was better than ever 
uh, in Game 7 on the road. So I, I, I've seen too many instances of Connor Hellebuck and the Jets as a team, you know, bouncing back from in difficult situations that you think that would knock other teams backwards, but that's not been the case with this group all year. No, no, and kudos, kudos to Connor Hellebuck too. I was, I was, I was thinking mm-hmm. the same thing after the after the game six at home. Um, those, not a lot of those goals were tough. A couple of me had no chance on, and then to come back, yeah. you know, brush. He's, he's got that same makeup, um, and we didn't really see too much of it this year. But, but in Matt Murray's first run through the playoffs with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he he had some tough losses and, you know, very calm in the the dressing room, very shrug it off, go on to the next. And we're seeing him emerge into that type of a goalie, which does bode well for the Jets. Yeah, it does. And I I think, you know, Paul Maurice consistently points back to last year and it wasn't the greatest year for anybody in the organization. And it was a real learning situation for Connor Hellebuck things did not go well for the majority of last year so I think if he would have had that type of year this year and the Jets go in the playoffs who knows but uh, that that was a building block for him mentally and then in the offseason he went into work and started working on different things to make himself a better goaltender and then throughout this year because he played so many games he had to figure out what worked best in terms of rest and relaxation between starts would would he skate on game day would he not or would he skate the day before you know do full practice on the day before and then do take game day skates off those are the types of things that he worked on this year to try to get himself in that best mental spot before each and every game now in the playoffs and as you can see it's really worked out for him and the Jets absolutely now now looking forward here um we're going to be going head up today four o'clock um both both fan bases are 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 energized and and right. definitely make their presence felt. The, the whiteout in Winnipeg, legendary, of course. Um, T-Mobile, the new fans, but very energized in, in the game. So the home bars are going to be rocking. Um, mm-hmm. Both teams have a lot of skill up front. Both teams are very fast. Um, if, if you yeah. could, what would, the, what would your key to a Jets victory be in the series? And if the Golden Knights were to prevail, what do you see as being the, the key for them to advance? Uh, I think for the Jets, this is, you know, what what it's been all year. It's just consistently staying with skating, right? Their their entry in the zone has to be at a high pace. That's their game. Um, I, I think there's very few things that have rattled them this year. So if they give up the first goal in the game, they're going to be okay. Uh, so to me, the key is not to get into penalty troubles. Uh, Josh Morrissey and Jacob Truba are going to have to do a great job uh, shutting down the top unit. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson, and Riley Smith. That, that's going to be paramount for them to have success. Uh, five on five, you'll, it's tough for the Jets to uh, be secondary to anybody in this league outside of Nashville, right? And so Truba and Morrissey are going to have to be huge against that top unit. Uh, again, like anything else, discipline is going to be a big part. And now I think the Jets' biggest challenge is Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, this is no disrespect to Pekka Rene, but he was not a Vesna Trophy caliber goaltender in that series, uh, in, in the last series. And Devin Dubnik's not, I mean, he's a good goaltender, but he's not Marc-Andre Fleury either. So this is the Jets' biggest challenge in terms of a, a goaltender that can steal a game for you. And I don't think they've really run into that throughout this postseason. So uh, they're going to have to get traffic in front of him. Um, and then and on the, conversely, I think there's no question, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be a key for the for the, the uh, Golden Knights in this series. Uh, can the top line 
do what they did in, in the previous two series, and that's produce points and, and big goals. And then I, I wonder if the if the Golden Knights' depth up front and on the blue line is as deep as the Jets, because I don't think it is. And that's where I think they're going to have to overcome that aspect. So, uh, in a nutshell, that's where I think both teams are going to have what, what they're going to have to do uh, to be successful in this uh, Western Conference Final. All right, let me uh, bring in Chris. We're talking with Jamie Thomas, uh, host of Jets TV on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're going to bring Chris Lisa all the way from Long Island in to, to run a few by you, too, before we let you go, sir. Sure. Hey, Jamie. Great, hey, Chris. Uh, great, uh, great to talk to you. So, you know, Jamie, I go back a ways. Uh, I remember those Dale Howard Chuck uh, Winnipeg Jets teams. Oh, yeah. And I think people forget I think people forget how good those teams were. They just had the um, yeah. uh, misfortune of being in the same division as those Oiler teams, and let's not forget those Flame teams. But I made no a question. statement in the, uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, the other night, Game Seven's win might have been the biggest win uh, in the history of the franchise, either 2.0 yeah. version or, or 1.0. One, uh, how – I mean, the fan base uh, – I mean, their hair just must be on fire. Uh, wh- how are things uh, in Winnipeg like these days? Uh, it's pretty crazy, guys. Like I've I've worked in uh, all those markets: Calgary, Edmonton, and now Winnipeg. And I, I mean, when you're starved for success as, as this fan base is, I think they have every reason to be as excited as they are. And um, yeah, 100%. I grew up in Calgary, so I remember the the Gretzky. Uh, led Edmonton Oilers torturing the Flames and Jets every year. Because I'll tell you one thing right now, uh, as a Calgary kid, when the Flames got knocked out by Edmonton, I'm cheering for whoever plays against them. So I was cheering for the Jets a lot of time too, uh, in the in the mid to late '80s too as well. So for them to do this and go further than any Winnipeg NHL team has gone before is is so massive. And the, the, there, you know, the street party today is between 20 and 25 thousand outside of Bell MTS Place. They had to start putting out tickets because the demand to get into the street party has been so huge. Uh, they're not selling tickets. Let's keep it at that. But they, they're producing tickets, so it's not like they're making money off of it. Well, they are a little bit, but of the you know selling the food and everything. But it, that that part of alone has been massive. And then inside the building, um, I, you know, Bell MTS Place is fifteen thousand plus, but it's crazy to me how much noise that you know that few of people as compared to other buildings across the league can make. And it's a very intimate building, so that probably keeps some sound in, in place or uh, makes it a little bit louder. But I'm, I'm not taking anything away from this fan base. They have been incredible. It's the only thing anybody's talking about these days. You've got Jets jersey all over the streets, businesses with Go Jets Go in their windows. And I'm not just talking around the downtown. I'm talking throughout the city. Um, it, it's pretty crazy. Now, I've never been to Vegas. I haven't been to uh, their arena or to a game there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that fan base has responded and, and welcomed hockey. But uh, no doubt about it. This has been the place to be, uh, and for anybody that comes here the first time, they're they're in for a real treat, and that's what it's, that's what I look forward to, right? New fan base is seeing what this city does and how this city loves their Winnipeg Jets. You know, Jamie, what jumped at me out at me in this series going in going into it and 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 during it, and you brought, you kind of touched on the point before. Uh, maybe you can expand on it a bit, and that is, you know, I. I Usually, with really talented young teams that are on the come, uh, they're when they play a big team with a little bit more experience, like in Nashville, in, in this kind mm-hmm. of ra- last last round, there's going to yeah. be a moment or two where just a young team you have to go through those growing pains. 
and that's the difference between losing in six or seven versus winning right. a year or two later in six and seven. So losses in games four and six, I kind of felt like, all right, this is where Nashville puts to, together puts together their A game, and Winnipeg maybe yeah. tries to do a little too much with the, this and that. So how surprised were you in terms of how they were just able to just get back to business and and uh, you know game seven? Let's let's face it, I mean they clearly were the better team. Mm-hmm. And even in, in game five, right? That, to me, yeah. the only time I questioned the direction of the series was they lose in such a dominant fashion. Like like Nashville, it was the ugliest playoff game I've seen played this year. And between these two teams, period, all year. Like, they've been high-scoring games, uh, very highly entertaining. But Nashville shut Winnipeg down for doing anything whatsoever uh, in game four on home ice. So I thought that was maybe where the series would have shifted. Now you're going back to Nashville. And the thing you just said, I'm like, okay, here's that experience where it's going to come through with the Subans and uh, everybody else that went through that last year in, in Nashville. The Johansons, I go down the list. I know Johansson was hurt uh, going into the Stanley Cup final, but those guys have plenty of experience in this situation, Pekka Rene. But I thought that's where the Jets played their second best game of the series um, when they go in there and they win 6-2. And then after losing game six and not scoring a goal, uh, they did have much better uh, momentum, I think, in, in game six as they did in game four on home ice. But I think they played their best game of the, of the entire postseason uh, in Nashville in game seven. And I, I, even if Pekka Rene does let in those two softies, the Jets would have found a way in my mind because they were just that determined. And that touches into the captain. Blake Wheeler was almost, I don't want to say he was smiling, but he was almost smirking in some ways, talking before game seven uh, at Bridgestone Arena where he was saying, you know what, we've watched so many of these Game 7s on television, and now it's our turn. And I really felt hearing him say that, that kind of, and I'm, you know, he's saying much more than that to his team when we're not in there. But I think that his embracing of the Game 7 situation, Connor Hellebuck saying Game 7s are fun. I'm like, this is a group of guys that are loose and are, are ready for this opportunity. And it wasn't one of those, like, no, we don't know, they don't know where they're, where, what they're facing because they're young. No, it's the guys that are actually – embracing every last second of the Stanley Cup playoff run, and they didn't want it to end in Game 7, and they proved that and played their best game. So I think I'm not surprised when they play well, but how well they played in Game 5 and Game 7 in Nashville is what surprised me. You know, I'm not surprised that that, uh, that was the attitude. I saw a little clip from Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams, earlier in the week, and he said the one thing right. that, that – that, uh, you know, he, he's a humble guy, so he's not going to say the one thing that allowed me to have success in game sevens. Uh, but his point yeah. was that he went out there to play hockey. He went out there, embraced the moment, knew it was going to be tough, knew, 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 you know, the risks of everything and still mm-hmm. um, played his game, embraced the moment, had fun doing it and had success doing it. And to hear you say that mm-hmm. about, about Blake and, and uh, the rest of the guys embracing that game seven, and the body language they had when they took the ice, opposed to uh, Nashville's body language. Um, That's another thing Coach Gallant stressed to this team at the start of the year and throughout the playoffs was that hockey's a game. You're supposed to have fun with it and enjoy what you guys are doing. You guys are going to do something no matter how it turns out that that, uh, not many people get a chance to do. So get up every morning, embrace it, have fun with what you're doing, come to the rink every day, and and embrace the challenge. And I I think both young teams – are going to go into this conference final with just that attitude. I don't look to see the guys 
tender footing around the ice and getting back to the bench happy that they didn't make a mistake or make a turnover or take a bad penalty. I think you're going to see two teams yeah. going for it 100%, and it's going to be a lot of fun going through this Western Conference final. Um, just your final thoughts on the series. I know we got to let you go, and you're real busy. So um, just, just real quick, how do you expect this series to turn out? Uh, the only thing I, I have question about is where where the Jets transfer from the joy and uh, emotional draining series of Game Seven and trying you know reestablish that same type of energy here in Game Number One. I I, I don't know if it's I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, I know that Nat, or Vegas has done a wonderful job with the rest periods between that. I, they go they go nine games I think or nine days without playing a game and then beat San Jose seven nothing on home ice. Uh, this has only been a six-day break, but they've done a good job, I think, being prepared for that. Uh, I think I don't think it's going to be as physical um, as it was between Nashville and, and Winnipeg, but I expect the speed to be phenomenal and the skill to be phenomenal, and I think we're going to be highly entertained. Uh, and it's, I don't think it's a seven-game series, but I think it's a six-game series for sure. But I think by, by what you just mentioned there, we're in for another fun one. It's two teams with a lot of skill, and that's just what, what you want at this stage. And uh, we'll see what Mark Andre Fleury and Connor Hellebuck have to decide, have to say uh, throughout this series to see where what, what direction it heads. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the goaltending is probably going to be the difference maker one way or the other. Um, well, sir, thank you so much for coming in and taking the time to talk with us today. Um, we know we got to get ready for the game here in a few hours, um, so we'll be looking for you down the road, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, no thank problem you. at all. Take care. Well, all right, boys, there you have it. Uh, Jets Knights on tap here to kick off game one at four o'clock today. Uh, I, I agree with just about everything Jamie said. It's going to be speed. Scott. It, you know, if you have to look at it um, and the way that the NHL wants uh, is, is kind of pushing the league towards more offense, more speed, more skill, you know, shrinking the goalies pads, uh, creating more scoring, stuff like that. Um I, I got to think that this is going to showcase the the brand of hockey because there's still going to be physical play involved with these two teams, but the, the, just the brand of hockey that both these two teams bring is, is, I mean, it's got to make the NHL smile a little bit. You have two first time contestants, uh, your expansion team, darling in the, in the conference final against a very fast, talented Winnipeg jazz team. Um, Chris, I believe that this is the, the series to watch uh if if you're going to look between the two conference finals this is going to be big time hockey no i agree with that and um you know one other thing i want to throw out there at the deadline you know the jets added uh staffney from st louis and gave up a first round pick yes. for him and i thought at the time like hmm, that's a kind of interesting but he has been terrific for them uh, you know, a, a veteran pivot. Uh, he's added some yes. nice goal scoring as well, two-way player. So uh, he's he's been a real big key for them uh, as well. Yeah, I, I I the only thing I disagree with Jamie is I actually think that's the series will go seven because uh, I think the teams are uh, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. In fact, I think we have a good shot, uh, especially with Washington winning game one of both series going the distance and that that's what I'm kind of rooting for in uh in the in these conference finals. More hockey. More hockey. Absolutely. I will say this, uh, the Golden Knights are 8 1 and 1 
against the teams remaining in the playoffs this season. They're they're two and one, two and two and one against. I would uh, take that and throw it out the window because you know the playoffs are so much different. You know, at the same token, I think the Knights had a bad record against the Oilers and the Islanders, uh, and, and we know how what kind of years they had. So you know, again, I would take that with a great. I would take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that in a bad way or a good way. Of it is what it is, here. though. It is, it is, it is what, what it is. is. Yeah. You are what your yeah. record says uh, you are. Yeah, yeah, but different sets. Two and all against both the Capitals and the Lightning, and two and one against uh, Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like I said, and also another stat for you: the Knights have not lost three uh games in a row all year. Well, that 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 has a little bit of more the meaning than than the other one for me. But uh, uh, real quick before we uh, sign off, uh, so just a shout out. For our two guests, Dan Harrigan, uh, you, you could follow him on Twitter at Dan, D-A-N, Harrigan, H-E-R-R-E-J-O-N. And Jamie Thomas is at Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, T-V. Give both those guys a follow. They're great. We'll hope to have uh, them maybe back, you know, may, you know, depending upon how the series are going and scheduling and all that jazz next week. And, um you mentioned it before, sir, that uh, we are tentatively set for our annual mock draft show Saturday, June 16th, which looks like it will be normal showtime, and we'll bring back Mark Scheig. I, you know, this is the third year in a row we've had Mark Scheig. I went back in the in the, the, the books there. Yeah, I was like, wow, I, I, I knew it was at least two, but I forgot. So he, he's been with us pretty much the whole way, and um, of the hockey writers, right, says great job on the Blue Jackets. And then Rob Reese of NHL.com joining us for the first time on the Mock Draft Show. We've had him on earlier in the year, uh, the fantasy uh, editor over there. So yeah, that, that's always uh, a fan favorite show. And uh, I think every year Ours it's too. our highest rate. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You'll be the master of ceremonies. I'll try to keep up with those guys. And I think it's our most listened to show usually uh, on a yearly basis. So sounds like you're all ready for tonight, sir. Sounds like you feel... Uh, cautiously optimistic about the series. Uh, so while well, we'll finish the show with a question to you, would you say that the Jets are a similar challenge to the Sharks in term in terms of talent, or do you think uh, it's going to be a little bit more difficult? Tougher challenge. I think the Jets are tougher, tougher challenge. challenge. I think. Yeah. Let me throw one. Let me throw one more stat at you in the playoffs. So this will this will pique your interest because you poo pooed my regular season stats of right. the teams remaining in the playoffs. The Golden Knights yep. have the best the best penalty kill percentage, only behind the Kings of anybody who played in the playoffs, killing penalties at an eighty five percent clip. Next on the That's list, it. you go down is the the Capitals at seventy eight, then the Jets at seventy four percent. And Tampa Bay all the way down at 71%. And so I think that is going to be paramount for the Knights to continue killing penalties um, as well as they have been in the playoffs, better than any other team left in the playoffs. So I think the special teams, they're going to have to take advantage of the Jets on their on their power plays, and they're going to have to shut them down on their penalty kill. 
and obviously Flurry yeah. and Hellebuck are going to decide the series. But uh, that's a little tick in the Golden Knights' favor that they have been killing penalties very well. But I think a tougher, yeah, I think that, a tougher challenge. I, and that's the difference a lot of times between winning three-two or four-three or losing three-two four-three. So, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think, uh, uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know uh, what to. Uh, Jamie brought up a good point in terms of that emotional, you know, turning the page, if you will. Uh, but this is the conference finals, so you would think Winnipeg. Uh, you know, mentally they've been pretty st- strong in this series when I've kind of said, mm, gee, I wonder how they're going to respond to that kind of thing. But maybe they'll be a little too hyped up, as we saw in Game 3, although they came back miraculously and won that game, although I'm sure Vegas would, would like to take their chances with a 3 nothing lead going to Period 2. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Nashville couldn't close yeah, And Nashville uh, <laughs> couldn't get the deal it. done, which is harder. Yeah, and, and real quick, quick thought on them. Uh, what a disappointing season for them. Uh, it was in one regard a terrific season, but in another regard, you know, this was kind of there at a point in time where it's Stanley Cup win now, and yeah, win now, and they didn't, and they didn't even get to the conference finals, and you know, again, not that they lost to a bad team or anything like that. Obviously, they lost to a really strong young team, but um, yeah, to lose Game Seven on home ice, to lose five one, um, uh, it's back to the, you know, I mean, their team is pretty much set. I wouldn't expect uh, any major changes, maybe a tweak or two to to the uh, maybe. Uh, but, uh, it, again, it just shows you how hard it is to win the Cup. No question. It's the hardest trophy in all of sports, or as I like to say. Um, well, you you want to make a pick, sir, on, on either side? T- I'll say Tampa in seven and – Oh boy, oh, God! I I'm gonna say Winnipeg in seven. All right, I'm gonna say it's tough because the Capitals are riding high right now, and if they can't stay out of the box, Washington's gonna win that series. So I'm gonna say Capitals. Yeah, in, I'm gonna say Capitals in six. I I, I don't know if if Tampa can. Um, Keep it five on five. Well, I mean, that's I think that decides the series. And I've had nights in six in the first and second round. I think Flurry is going to steal one of these first two games. I think oh, yeah, they're going to take one, one I think they're going to, you know, in Vegas, uh, it would be a let, uh, you know, a classic letdown spot to play. Uh, to play a wager against the Jets here in Game One because I think the Knights were getting a plus one thirty-five, plus one forty at the at the sports book. So, and I, I expect I expect the T-Mobile home ice advantage, and then you trade five and six. So I'm I'm going to stick with my Knights and six. It's been good luck so far, and I'm going to stick with that. What a story. Could you imagine the storyline of the Capitals <laughs> who haven't been It'll out to the, to the conference to, to get to the cup final, and they finally get back there. And and same thing with George McPhee all those years being the GM. And then here it is that they both get there, but on opposite sides of the fence. I mean, that's uh, you can't make that stuff up if that were to happen. Absolutely correct, sir. We've got 20 seconds left. Uh, George McPhee versus his older team in the Stan- 
Stanley Cup final. That's my pick. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.